Good morning. Welcome to the jar. Here, I'll help you there. There's a lot that has happened this week. My name's Isaac. I'm the associate pastor here. But um, Chris will be joining us at the end of the service. Um, he had something happen in his life, so um, he'll share that at the end. Um, but this morning, I want to let you know that change is in the air. For some of you know that we had an Appalachia team go uh, to Appalachia this past week. They came back last night, and I see some of them, so I'm assuming we didn't lose anybody. Am I right? Was it a good trip? Yep, it was a good trip. Good. There's also a change in the air in that uh, if you look down at the floor, just look down at it for a second. What do you see? Yes, exactly. <laughs> when you look down at this floor, this is the nastiest floor on the face of the planet. I guarantee it. I don't know why um, you guys come here week after week to be uh, possibly infected with whatever is there. But the change that's going to happen is the YMCA is going to be replacing this floor. They're going to be doing some renovations here. And um, this is good news, so let's applaud that. New floor. Bad news is that we can't be here for two weeks while they do that. And so I just want to be the first to let you know that for May 31st and June 7th, we will be at the uh, Muncie Civic Theater both of those days. Um, so mark your calendars. Make sure that you know that that's where we will be for those two Sundays. Um, let's just pray one more time as we get started. Oh God, we just thank you for, uh, for this day. We thank you for change and we thank you for uh, spring that has come upon us that we're excited to see. Um, we thank you for the changes that are going on here for, um, for more people that you're bringing for the changed lives and for um, changed hearts. And so, God, we just pray right now that you would center us um, on your word and on your um, spirit so that we can be changed today as well. And um, we just thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series called Wired. And uh, this series, as Chris explained last week, we started out talking about how we are wired for wholeness. In other words, God has wired us to be a complete person. And we know that we can be connected as a complete person when we connect more with Jesus and with his teachings. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is to expand on that concept and to find the facets of life that Jesus talks about that help bring us, um, bring more dimension to our lives and help us to focus on what that is. Now this week, um, I have the privilege of talking about money, which is my favorite topic to talk about. Um, some of you might remember that uh, last time that I got to speak, which was February 15th, um, I had to talk about money that time. And uh, does anybody remember what I still had? My, my possibly one of my biggest financial blunders? A car, yeah. I had two cars. Well, I am happy to report that I am a one-car owner at this time in my life. Thank you. 
Yeah. See, I need the encouragement, otherwise I'm bound to make these mistakes again. Um, in fact, I sold it to a guy who, uh, he's two years younger than I am. He's a worship leader down in Zionsville. He's about to get married in August. And so I was just like, man, he is going to learn the same lesson that I learned. But it's all yours, dude. <laughs> it was a good car. I didn't sell him a piece of junk. I just could not afford uh, quite that much of a car. Um, but yeah, so so I get to talk about money. I get to talk about some of my failures, some of my successes. What I really want to do, what I really want to focus us on, because we kind of just got done with our, with our money series, what I want to talk about is how we're wired for finance, our financial life is wired, that at the, at the core of it, we're, let me start over, at the core, <laughs> this, the real teaching is that God has given us time, he's given us resources, and our job is to invest it. And so what I want to do is I want to read a story from the Bible. And um, I'm going to ask us to do something different while I read this story, because there's a lot of text there, and I don't want to lose you. So I'm going to ask you all to stand as we read this passage. And this is a, this is a parable that Jesus told. And so he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master... He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. For those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can be seated. This story um, is, is a fascinating story 
starts out with this, uh, with this line that says, and again. What was going on here was that Jesus was telling people what the kingdom of God is like. People were always coming up to him and asking, what's your kingdom like? We, we want to see how you, how you would rule, how would things be ordered when you are in charge. And so we, he gave this series of stories. And so he starts with this one, saying that it's like a man going on a journey. And so we have this master, and this master has these servants. And these servants, he trusts them with a certain amount of his own wealth. So to each one, he gives what he thinks that they can handle, and he expects them to do something with it. Now, there's, there's a lot of principles here that we can draw from this story, and so that's why I want to take the time to do today. Um, I think that the first principle that we can draw out of the story is that the master is in charge. What did, this, what did the servants have that was the master's at the beginning of the story? They didn't have anything. They didn't have anything that belonged to the master. When he leaves, he decides to give them a certain portion. Now, the Jewish uh, people, when, often when they... Um, let me backtrack. These servants, they had an understanding that everything that they had came from the master. I believe that that's the same perspective that we need to have of God. In fact, there's a name that the Jews gave for God. The Jews often would posture themselves to understand God in different ways. And so the term that they used, one of the names that they gave to God, was this word right here, Jehovah Jireh, which means provider. So in the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Job. And when you read the first part of this story, you find that Job is powerful, He's a wealthy man. He has lots of kids. He has lots of wealth. And he has a lot of land. He has sheep, goats, iPods, Xboxes, you name it. He's got it. And he has everything, including a wife who is the most annoying, nagging individual on the face of the planet at that time. But then you read a few verses later, and you find out that his kids were taken away, his land was taken away, his livestock was taken away, Everything that he had was taken from him, except his wife. (laughs) That's comedy right there. That's irony. Um, But this is Job's posture. This is what he says when, when he sees that everything that he has is simply taken away. He says this. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. This is what I find amazing about Job. Just like the servants in the story that we just read, his posture toward God is not one that he feels entitled to anything. He says, hey, when I came into this world, I had nothing. When I leave this world, I'm not going to have anything. So the time in between anything that I have, I have because God decided to give it to me. As, I've been, as I was reading this and saying this, I was trying to think of how much is that my posture toward God? How much do I view that the time that I have, that the money that I have, that the, the talent that I have is really from Him? I think that's something that we need to, we need to think about and something that we need to, 
to spend some time just dwelling on. Do we take, take into account that everything that we have is from God? Whether it's money, wealth, our children, our time, our job, or anything else that God has given us. <clears throat> and so the first principle that I believe we can draw from the story is that everything I have comes from God. I believe that when that's our posture, when that's our understanding, we view things differently. Because when I think that everything that I have comes from God, the best, the best case scenario is that my reaction is one of gratitude, that I'm thankful for the things that I have, that I'm thankful for the opportunities. The other thing that we can also rest assured in when we know that everything that we have belongs to God is that God is ultimately responsible for our situations, for our finances, for anything that we're facing. God is ultimately responsible to handle that. I mean, I start with nothing and I end with nothing. And the space in between that's been given to me by God is God's, even down to the breath that we breathe. In the New Testament, we find this scripture. It says, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything we have comes from God. Everything. And he's consistent. We can count on him. Look at this verse that's in Second Peter. I find this verse of great encouragement. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the, the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Again, in this verse, we see this tension that we have every good and perfect gift, every great and precious promise in between corruption and evil desires. I know for me, I find myself living in that tension that I, I really desire these good and perfect things, but I, I also realize that I live in a world of corruption. I think that there's no better way to really understand that and to and to see that then when we look at our money. And it's such a tangible thing. As much as I want to do some great things with what I have, I also live in this tension that, there's, um, that there are some ways that I can uh, use my money irresponsibly. And that's why I want to look at in the next thing. When we look at the story, God gives to the servants a certain amount. He gives, he gives five, ten, and one. Uh, distributes that to his servants. And what was his expectation? His expectation was that they would be responsible with what he had given. So God desires that I be responsible with what he has given me. As I said, when I talk specifically of money, I want to share some of the ways that we can be irresponsible. There are five ways five different spenders that we're going to explore. The first one is the impulsive spender. 
How many of you think that you might be an impulsive spender? Okay. For the rest of you, I'm going to uh, share a story and see if you relate to this story. If you do, then it means that you're an impulsive spender. Um, on uh, February 15th, like I said, I taught here. On uh, February 16th, I, um, I got engaged, which is great. And uh, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was an exciting day. Um, and Katie and I are very excited about uh, the life that God has before us, and we're learning many things. Um, one of the things that I had to tell her recently was that, uh, that I, uh, gave her, I gave her a ring. I want to show you the ring that I bought for her. Yeah, isn't that, that's a nice ring. I think I did a pretty good job, don't you? Now, she didn't, she didn't even know. She let me, she let me pick it out. She let me kind of go through it. I had to, I had to go by her mom, though. Like, as long as her mom approved, then, then that, then that was fine. So that, that was cool. And so here's the ring that I picked. I picked this out, like, in November. I sat, I had lunch with her mom, and I, like, showed her, pulled up on the computer, and I'm like, hey, isn't this, like, match Katie's personality? Isn't this, like, who she is. This will go really, really well. And she said, absolutely. And so I was like, all right, that's the ring that I'm going to get. Now, sometime in January, I uh, went, to, went to the Castleton Square Mall, and I was uh, with a friend who was um, doing some shopping, and we were walking by a jewelry store. And I went in. I'm like, you know, I'm look, I just want to look at some diamonds. I just want to see what they look like. I'm clueless. I don't, I've never done this before. So so let me look. And I, I went over to, to the counter and I saw these rings and I looked at one and I was like, that one's pretty. It's not quite that, but, uh, but I want to look at it. And so, so the woman comes over to the, the counter. She asks if I want any help. I say, yes, I would like to see that diamond. She takes it out. I'm like, wow, this is a, this is a beautiful ring. She's like, yeah. And then she said this, and th- this was the most dangerous thing that she could have said to me. She said, well, we're closing in two hours. It's 80% off today. Does anybody want to know what I did? I was sitting there in that moment, and all manner of reason, every, every piece of logic just left my brain. It just went somewhere else, and I immediately thought, 80%, wow, that's a better deal. So I'm, I'm going to go with, the, with that. So I bought it right there. And um, she's like, hey, there's financing, 12 months, all that, all that great stuff. Have any of you been in that situation before? where you see a sale that you just can't pass up. That was what happened. So I brought it home. Two weeks later, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this isn't it. I'm stupid, stupid, stupid. You'd think I would have learned with the car, you know? <laughs> Repeating the same mistakes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I ended up buying uh, this ring, and so I had two engagement rings. Yeah. But, you know, she said, no, I could try again. That, that could have worked, too. But, um, yeah, so I gave her that ring and uh, held on to the other one and just kind of, um, actually, last week I decided that I should tell her that there were actually two <laughs> since we're, we're going to be sharing finances. I'm like, yeah, I actually have this one, too. Um, but it's, it's worth money, I guarantee it. And I had it appraised, and it was actually worth more than I paid for it, so, so things are good. Uh, there. So if anybody's thinking about getting engaged, 
see me first, I'll cut you a good deal. 80% off. I promise. But what is it in us that, like, I, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I, what I needed. I had a plan. This was the ring that I was going to get. How did I get distracted? How did I get sidetracked? How did I, like, mess up the plan that was before me? It was totally foolish. <laughs> uh, Katie's going to handle the money. That's the plan. <laughs> um, yeah, so impulsive decisions. Um, that's one of the irresponsible spenders. The next irresponsible spender is the compulsive spender. Maybe you know someone who's a little bit more compulsive. The moment they get a check or the moment they get a credit card, they go out and buy stuff. Does anybody know anybody like that? Do you know that person because it's yourself? Or Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is a problem, especially especially in America. I mean, we, there, it's it is very it is an addiction. We have this addiction to just keep buying stuff. The moment that we see something, we need to have it. So spending compulsively is a way to completely destroy what God is giving you, what God has given you to be responsible with. And the compulsive spender is someone who has some unmet need in their life. But instead of facing into it, instead of addressing that unmet need and trying to resolve it, they go out and spend money to ease the pain. And, I mean, if something goes wrong in their life, they don't say, oh, well, let me go talk to my friends, let me go talk to a counselor. They say, well, let's go shopping. That'll make me feel better. Some of you might, might know people like that. You might know that, um, that that's in yourself, too, that you just can't control your desire to spend. The third type of spender is a revenge spender. The revenge spender is someone who feels that they've been cheated out of life. So they take a couple grand and they go spend it on something that they think they deserve. Maybe they've been driving an old beater for so long that they feel that they're entitled to a newer car. They feel that they're entitled to something um, that they're not getting. Something that they're not getting out of life. They feel that they've been cheated for so long that it's time to get revenge. That they're due. And so revenge spending is another way that we can just totally sidetrack what, what God has given us to manage and we can go and be irresponsible with it. The third, uh, fourth type of spender is uh, the special interest spender. Does anybody have any special interests? Maybe it's uh, cars or some women. I know my mom, she loves baskets. For not exactly sure, but we have plenty of baskets. Does anybody else have a lot of baskets? Anybody have a, a basket? Is anybody a basket case? Yeah. yeah, but sometimes we have a special interest. This is the thing that's the Achilles heel, the thing that just... When we see it, we, we can have a plan for all of our money, but when we see this one thing, we need to have it, some interest that we have. I have an interest. Um, some of you might, might be aware of it. Um, a few times a year, I go, uh, I take a journey, um, and on this journey, it's 
sort of like this pilgrimage that I go on just to escape from everything. And, and when I get to this place, I feel at home. I feel, I feel like I'm where I need to be. And we have a picture of it right here. This is Guitar Center. Guitar Center is in Noblesville, perhaps the most dangerous place I can go. Now, I realized that I was a special interest spender, again, going through uh, finances with Katie, working out um, how, how this is going to go. Um, one Monday, I went down to Indy. I was standing in front of this wall of guitars. And I mean, some of these are nice. I mean, you see the one that says 749? That's a cheap guitar. I mean, that, you know, the, the, ones, the ones that are really awesome, they're, they're upward of 2,500, four grand, you know. You, you can spend a lot of money on some of this stuff. So I was standing there as a single male who's engaged, and I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden I have this great fear come over me. I realized, <laughs> I realized in that moment that if I wanted to just buy that right now, I wasn't going to be the only one who would know about it. <laughs> Somebody else might have something to say. So for a good 30 seconds, 30 minutes, 3 hours, I sat there really thinking and, and sort of taking in what, the what my future decisions were going to have, which actually is, I think is probably a good thing because, um, again, car situation, ring situation, um, I cannot be trusted. So, um, so yeah, so, but maybe you have a, a special interest. But what, what is it that makes you stop? What is it that makes you stop and think, do I really need this? Do any of you have this habit? You're, you're, you convince yourself that you don't buy things that you want. You only buy things that you really, really need. And so you, you just focus on what you need to avoid any of these habits. But maybe if you're like me, you have a tendency to sort of expand what, what you need and all of a sudden, you come away thinking that you need a brand new car, you need brand new dishes, you need brand new whatever, guitar, yeah. <laughs> brand new guitar, brand new guitar, all of that. Um, so yeah, so maybe you're a special interest spender. And that that's, that's the thing that really gets you. The last spender is, um, is one that we might know very well. It's the status spender. This is where everything that you look at, everything that you want to have, isn't because you need it, isn't because you even necessarily want it. It's because someone else has it. It's because your neighbor has it. They, they've got the bigger one, so you need to one-up them. Have any of you ever felt like you're in, in this tension of, of these wars, of always trying to, someone's always trying to one-up you, or you're always trying to one-up someone else? You know, someone gets a brand new computer, you have to get an even newer computer. Someone gets a new iPod, you have to get a newer iPod. Someone buys a bigger house, you have to buy an even, an even bigger house. You work so hard to keep up, to find the status. It's such a huge distraction for us. I believe that, um, especially for, for us in America, I'm, I'm finding myself um, sort of between this. I mean, we, know, we understand the economic crisis that we're in. I think one of my biggest fears with all of that is that um, the news, the media, everything is going to get us focused so much on how much we as Americans don't have 
that we could become so inward focused to not think about the rest of the world, to not think about people that, um, that are even out, outside of America. Yes, we do have our, our problems, but if, we, if we're just going to focus on our own status, then what are we really doing? Are we going to have a bigger perspective? Are we going to um, we gonna maybe lose some of the status spending that, um, that really has crippled us over the past few years? And so we have, um, we have these, these uh, five things, the impulsive spender, the compulsive spender, the revenge, the special interest, and the status spender. Now, one of the things, if, if you feel like this is something that you struggle with, um, I want to let you know that there is help. I came across this week um, a program that's intended for any of us that are in debt. Or is anybody in debt here? I mean, I have student loans, I have credit cards, I'm, you know, I'm a mess. Um, so yeah, so what I'd like us to do is to watch this clip from someone that we know, someone that we trust, someone that we can put, uh, put our favor in. It'll come up here momentarily. numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. <laughs> Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. <laughs> Gotta love Steve Martin. His advice is priceless. Yeah, but may, may, I hope that that helped you. I hope that that gave you more of a plan of what to do. 
um, from now on. I mean, just one one step. I mean, and I've shown that to you, but seriously, I watched that about 12 times, and it's beginning to sink in for me um, as well. I mean, we have to take a good look at the things that God has given us. And today, um, one of the things that, that we're going to be doing is we're going to be having baptisms. And uh, one of the things that's, that's interesting that I find um, is that in the course of our lives, we're given time, we're given energy, and we're given opportunity. And as those things come, it is really what we do with them. But sometimes we try to manage that so much on our own that we get distracted and we get sidetracked. And maybe you pick up some things along the way. Um, but, the peop- but for the people today that are making these decisions, they're really looking at what it is that their life, life is. And they're looking at what it would be like if they trusted their life with God, with the person who knows them best and loves them most. And the last point that we have is this. It's just change. When you take a look at, at your whole life, when you take a look at everything um, that Jesus says makes you a whole, complete person, what is it that you think he might be asking you to change? Is it the way you spend your money? Or is it the way you spend your time? Or is it the way that you invest in your family? Or in your relationships? Or at your job? How, what kind of a person are you there? I believe that as we begin to uh, continue to explore that and continue to see um, where God leads us, that we won't be disappointed. Let's pray. Well, God, we just thank you, um, just that you are the giver of all things. And um, God, we know that uh, with all the things that you've given us and the challenge to be responsible with them, that sometimes we can't just do it on our own. And so, um, God, we just ask for your help and your guidance as we, um, as we carry on throughout this week. We just thank you for all the good things that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, we have a very special announcement from our fearless, the one and only Christopher John Bunch. Well, we are glad you're here. Didn't, didn't Isaac do a wonderful job kind of helping us to... <clears throat> uh, you know, it's, uh, it's never easy, besides the fear of death, fear of public speaking, is the uh, second kind of fear that people have. And uh, thanks, Isaac, for uh, helping us to know a little bit more about spending. Uh, I like that book from from Steve Martin. Well, I want to introduce to you, I think there'll be a couple pictures that will come up. This is uh, Shiloh Christian, and uh, she weighed, yeah. And she weighed eight pounds, five ounces. Anyone have children less than eight pounds? If you're a woman, raise your hand. You got a break. Jen struggled, but we got, we got her out and we're excited. Um, and there's another picture here of all of us. She doesn't even look like she just went through four hours of uh, whatever you call that. I'm going on two hours of sleep right now, so. Labor, that's what it's called. 
And I think we have another one. That's big sister, Jordan. And uh, she's pretty excited. I have a new respect for all you parents who bring your kids here every week because I had to do that today. And um, we were a little late, okay? Um, But mom's doing good. And there's the last one there of uh, little Shiloh Christian. I love hugs. You can see on the left. And so we're really, we're really, really excited. Well, you know, this week, Jennifer and I were given a great new life in Shiloh. And I was thinking about it this week that for each of us, um, we're born just like Shiloh is. But the scripture tells us that when we place Jesus into our life, that we become reborn. And sometimes we hear that on uh, television shows and it freaks us out. Are you reborn? Are you saved? And uh, basically what that means is that we just decide that we are going to have a brand new birth in our life. And that's what happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We simply say, I want to be reborn again. I want new life. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians uh, 5.17 that you can look at later this uh, week that says, In Christ I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And uh, I was thinking about that as we have baptisms today. That there are people that are coming and they're saying, You know what? Yeah, I was born, but now I want to give my life to the one who created me. I want to be reborn or reconnected uh, with him. And so uh, three people are getting baptized today, and I'll invite them to come up, and uh, we'll share in that baptism. So uh, Frank and Cinda, and also Peyton, if you guys can come on up, that would be great. Well, today is a special day in uh, each of your guys' life as uh, you kind of accept Christ into your life. And uh, it's really important uh, that for all of us that baptism is a beginning point. Baptism doesn't mean you have it all together or uh, that you're perfect. It means you know you're not perfect and you want to be reborn or reconnected to the one who created you. And uh, today... These three individuals will come and say that we uh, commit our lives to Christ, and it's an outward expression of an inward kind of commitment that they've made to Christ. And uh, they want everyone to know that uh, they want to obey, they want to follow, they want to connect with who Jesus is. And uh, as we do that today, I invite you to uh, affirm your vows uh, after me. Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son, and do you receive and trust Him as your Savior and Lord? And if so, say, I do. And do you repent of your sins, and by God's grace, commit to live according to the example and teachings of Jesus? And will you promise to read your Bible regularly, pray daily, and share the loving message of Jesus Christ to others? And will you be faithful to the church that uh, Jesus died for by serving, giving, and praying for and committing to the vision of the jar? All right. Well, one of the things that we have done is uh, as we celebrate baptism, 
we go down to the pool, and we would invite you to go and, and uh, be a part of that process. And then uh, the, we invite the kids to come down, and it's kind of a celebrative time. But for these three individuals, they come to kind of declare their obedience to God. And it's a wonderful time for us to celebrate. And so if you can take just a couple more minutes, and uh, we'll stand for closing prayer, and uh, then we'll go down there and we'll celebrate that. So let's please stand. Well, God, we uh, thank you so much that uh, you invested in our lives. And I'm mindful every day, God, as I look at people, how much of an investment you've given. And when we give our lives to you, God, we are reborn. And I pray that just as Frank and Sunda and Peyton come here today to um, commit their lives to Christ, that, God, there may be people here who've maybe walked in, maybe even for the first time, that would just say, you know, I wonder what that would look like for me to uh, have a new start, a new beginning, a rebirth of uh, sorts. And God, uh, for some of us who are here today, we, we just know Christ and we're connected to him, but God, we just haven't kind of had that, that uh, newness in our life. And so would you come? And would you help those individuals become new as well? And God, for Frank and Cinda and for Peyton, as they step into the waters of baptism, would you bless their lives? And would you allow this new birth, this being reborn, to be such a glorious moment as they walk closer and closer to you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, these guys are going to go on down, so if you can just hold on for one second while they get down there before all the crowd takes off. And uh, next week, we will be talking about the physical life and how we're wired for that. And uh, most of all, as you leave, know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, guys. Have a great